I love playing the game of disc golf. What I hate is waking up the next day, feeling that soreness in my muscles, in my body, my arms, my shoulders, my legs. And what I typically do is I wake up, I hammer down a few ibuprofen or Tylenol, and I go ahead and move on with my day. What I didn't realize was how bad that was for my body as well. Throwing a disc is very strenuous on your body, whether you realize it or not. What it does is it causes micro tears in muscles, which then become inflamed, and that's where any post-workout or post-round soreness comes from. That's why you need to check out our friends at Wonderkind. Wonderkind with a U. All natural CBD products. They're located right here in the United States, and they're always shipping for free. All of their products are 100% legal in all 50 states, lab tested to make sure that you're getting the highest quality CBD product to help you recover from your round out on the course. The CBD products all have an anti-inflammatory property, which is amazing for muscle recovery and pain reduction after a round. Guys, check out Wonderkind. Again, that's W-U-N-D-E-R-K-I-N-D. You can follow them on Instagram at Wonderkind Extracts, and you can visit their website at wonderkindextracts.com and select from any of their amazing CBD products and use code RUNIT15 at checkout to save 15% off. Again, that's RUNIT15 at wonderkindextracts.com. Tired of putting down those ibuprofen and those Tylenol, eating up your stomach and attacking your liver? Well, give an all-natural CBD product a shot and see how much better you feel after your round. Again, that's wonderkindextracts.com, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. This is Elaine King, and you're listening to Running It with Nate Sexton. Running It with Nate Sexton is brought to you in part by Innova Champion Discs, the choice of champions. Hi, you here? Hello, Disc Golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. He is the man, Pappy's, Pappy Sexton's, is that, is that correct, Nate? <laughs> yeah, I think so. The Ace Elixir. Yeah, it's a, the it's, Ace a Elixir. it's a drink that, uh, an imaginary drink that's sweeping the nation. I think we can eat that for sure. He is the man that is the head of an imaginary drink company that is sweeping the nation. <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about, you need to hop on Jomez. You guys already know he's our host, the 2017 USDGC champion and Innova team captain, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm good. Back from uh, sunny Santa Cruz. I had a great time down there, as always. It's a one of the the favorite tour stops every year. And uh, you know, since it was canceled last year, it felt like it'd been a long time since we'd been up there at De La Viega. So back uh, as of yesterday, just for a quick trip home before heading out tomorrow morning to the Portland Open. You know, uh, De La to me, it, it reminds me a lot, like from the movie Step Brothers, where everyone's just like the Catalina wine mixer, because every <laughs> single time people are like. Dela, 
that's daylight, man. You know, yep. oh, that yep. is daylight. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting. And yeah, I messaged with you during the, the tournament a little bit and it's, it was nice to see you guys back out on a disc golf course rather than a, a traditional golf course had to be, uh, had to be a good feeling to be back in, uh, your own, your own digs, I guess, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, and, and, and what a disc golf course it is. I mean, it's got its, uh, its weirdness and its old schoolness, but it's overall just a, a special place that I've been going to for a lot of years. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great playing there. Great. We had amazing weather. We had a well-run tournament. We had everything smooth. I mean, couldn't ask for more. How, where does the, uh, where does the top of the world rank for you on, on holes that you play while out on tour? The view is way up there. The actual hole, I'm not, I'm not going head over heels for. It's okay. It's, uh, very dangerous. So that's like a, you know, an issue they they have to shorten it up a little bit for the tournament. I don't think anybody's questioning that it's crazy dangerous because it flies over a lot of holes. It harkens back to you know an era when people are throwing basically putters only um, by today's standards. Uh, so you know the parking lots in play. There's like four or five holes that are in play that you could hit with an errant shot. Uh, you saw if you watch the the Jomas practice rounds, you saw Yuli barely miss like seriously injuring somebody. I think it hit him in the cheek, just like brushed him. But, you know, that could have been terrible. So the view, incredible. The The shot itself is pretty fun. Uh, but I would say overall, it's a, it's more scary in a dangerous way than I wish it was. But I, I love going up there and I love looking at the view. I'll tell you that. I've never had the opportunity to play there yet. It's uh, it's going to happen in the next year. I will get there. But I feel like it's one of those things that if you're a disc golf enthusiast, you got to get there and say that you threw it at least once, right? Oh, yeah. And, and if you get there, you're not going to throw it only once. I'll promise you that. If you get there, you're going to throw it quite a few times. Just just be liberal with your four calls. Don't wait till the last second. It's all right. Scream, scream it out. If you're wrong, nobody's going to laugh at you. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's absolutely right. I uh I'm excited about that. So, um, Nate, we have a back by popular demand. I've been getting a ton of messages, a ton of comments, ton of emails. People really like this Ask Nate Anything. So, uh, if you guys want to keep hearing them every once in a while, we're going to, we're going to fit one in. And we've had a ton of questions pour in. So I, I think it's time to, uh, to kind of have you be the guest here for a little bit, Nate, and uh, answer some questions from your fans. What do you think? I mean, what an honor, you know, maybe, maybe I am enough. I love oh. it. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're more than enough. My no, friend. man, it's great. It's like, it's, it's, it's just a, you know, I love having guests on the show, but I'll be straight up with the, the audience and say that when I'm traveling for these tournaments, it's hard for me to like lock, take the time and, and reach out and lock down a guest for a certain time. I'm pretty focused on my job and, and I have my Jomez commentary at night, and it's just a pretty overwhelming thing. So, yeah, the, the opportunity to do some of these, nice change of pace for me. Uh, and I love answering the fan questions. So, easy enough. If people like them, let's keep doing them every once in a while. And it kind of lets me take a, a week off from, like, scrambling to uh, get somebody lined up and teach them how to use Zoom and, and get everything going, you know? 
Yeah, coming off of an amazing show with Elaine King. I've gotten a ton of emails about that as well, comments. I think people have really enjoyed it. If you guys didn't catch that one, you can pick up Elaine King and all of our other amazing guests right in the archives. Uh, you can go to YouTube and look up Running It with Nate Sexton. And, of course, all the shows are logged on all of your platforms, so uh, make sure you hop in and catch up on those. But uh, Elaine King did not disappoint. It was a lot of fun speaking with her. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. She's uh, obviously one of the best players of all time, so we we had to get a chance to talk to her. I've had a chance to speak with her, you know, many times over over the years. But again, like I've said before, with some of our other guests, it's like, you know, it would be weird in the in the run of conversation to be like, oh, let me spend an hour with you talking about your whole career, you know. So I really, for me, it's like a learning experience, and it's a really fun uh, conversation to have with all these legends to get some, uh, you know, inside information and some funny stories and just kind of their perspective on what the game was uh, to them and in general, you know, in their early days. And had the Toronto Maple Leafs not blown their 3-1 series lead on the Canadians and lose, I probably wouldn't have brought it up at all. But now that the Leafs are back at home, I'm okay talking about Elaine. And after she she said that she was a Maple Leafs fan, I was going to just totally forget about it. But now that I know they lost, I feel more comfortable bringing it up. So, And I'm 95% sure you're talking about the sport of hockey. Yes, yes, the, the the Toronto Maple Leafs. In fact, I've gotten a few messages from Maple <laughs> Leafs fans that were like, "Dude, wh- what's your problem with the Leafs?" And I'm like, "I don't like them." And uh, I, I, so I never knew that I, that I was going to do a hockey show. It's getting I, like this is crazy. I'm learning about that too because, like I said, you know, I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure of the names of all the teams. That's how into hockey I am. Well, I got your back, bud. I'm here. I'm here for you on that. So you don't you don't have to worry about it. Now, uh, Nate, before we hop into some really interesting and fun fan questions and comments, everybody knows we got to take a second to pay some bills. Uh, of course, I am talking about our friends over at FisherDiscGolf.com. Uh, I've mentioned it the last few weeks. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to check out their new website yet, guys, but if you have not, make sure you hop on to FisherDiscGolf.com. Check out the new website. It's a lot easier to navigate. Uh, they're getting their pictures updated so you can see the discs and all the different colors and stuff they have going on there. Levi and Adam are just really crushing it with what they're doing over there. Wave two of those uh, hard-to-get ledgestone discs have dropped, so make sure you go ahead and hop on there. If you're a collector, you want to grab a few of those, they still have those. Uh, of course, Disc Stacks is still going on every Tuesday and Friday night. Fisher's updating their apparel all the time, so not just the 18 brands of discs, but now, you know, they've got towels and hats and hoodies and everything you need to get out there and play the round. And most importantly, they've been huge supporters since day one of running it with Nate Sexton. The first time I had a conversation with Levi, I said, hey, we're going to try this podcast thing. I'm pretty sure it's going to work, but we don't really know. We don't have any numbers to back anything up. He said, you know what? We want to support you guys and get on board. And that is why they are the official retail sponsor of Running It with Nate Sexton. So if you guys enjoy what we're doing, one of the best ways that you can show that support is to hop on to FisherDiscGolf.com, pick out your favorite disc, 
probably from the Innova section. But if not, there's a few other brands that you can choose from and uh, hop on there and, and get yourself some some new gear, some new discs to get out and enjoy your rounds and show support to the podcast. And of course, to the guys over at Fisher who really took a leap of faith just to start the company. Um, and they've uh, they've done some amazing things. And whether it's those Ledgestone discs, some awesome Innova discs or some apparel or gear, you can save yourself a little bit of money just because you're a listener to this show. Isn't that right, Nate? Yeah. Use our code RUNIT10 to save 10% at checkout for your first order. The shipping is always free. I'm on that brand new website right now as we speak in the Innova section. Like you said, they're kind of slowly but surely beefing up that part of their website. Some quick hitters. What I see here that I like, Rancho Star Rock, Innova Star Beast, Infuse, Star Lion with the really cool, like, colorful, non-foil stamp and champion savant that's probably the four that are jumping out at me as the the discs that i would throw that they've got on there right now some really good discs i used to throw the beast a lot as a as a younger player yeah and i know that levi said that they've got an order and they got some of them uh those sexy cows coming nice nice uh so yeah as soon as those are available we will be sure to let you guys know but make sure you're checking out our friends at fisherdiscoff.com again guys this show would not be possible to bring to you guys for free if it wasn't for their support after you've picked up your disc and your new gear maybe a hoodie or a t-shirt to get out there and play around. The only other thing you really need to toss in that bag is a tasty snack. And where else are you going to get it other than Double G Craft Jerky? Double G Craft Jerky is an amazing, first of all, it's just a tasty snack. You guys might have heard us. Uh, we did do a little review of it here on the show when we had Double G on. Uh, we had Janimal join us. And, uh, and we talked about some of those flavors. There's some new stuff that's coming your way. So you guys make sure you want to check out that Double G Craft Jerky site. Of course, we've talked all about how Garrett is uh, donating through the Children's Foundation, getting involved every way in any way that he can. He's handing out little samples around the course. Guys, if you love disc golf, if you love tasty snacks, if you want to support a pro who's out on tour and support this podcast, Double G Craft Jerky is the way to go. Now, Garrett's not just handing out samples to everybody on the course anymore, right, Nate? There's something extra going on there. Yeah, he just announced uh, kind of a cool thing he's going to start doing. If you are skilled enough and uh, how, and you win a tournament that Garrett Gerthy is playing in, He's got like a, a big sampler pack going out to all those people. So another little sweet in the pot thing. Adam Hammes, congratulations to him on the huge win in Santa Cruz. He's going to be the first guy to reap those rewards and get that. And yeah, double G man. He's, he is so generous. Uh, you know, he, he was t saying he's going to bring me some jerky when I was there in Santa Cruz. I was thinking, oh, cool, a couple bags. He gave me 10 bags. So I'm like, I'm flush. I'm loving it. I'm eating, eating jerky every round I play. You are rich. You are jerky rich. I am. Man, that is awesome. Guys, Double G Craft Jerky. Follow them on social media. Uh, not just updates on new jerky flavors and some uh, interesting things that they've got going on behind the scenes that they're going to be announcing soon. But also Garrett shares a lot of cool videos and different things that they're doing. He's really just an awesome guy. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out the episode that we had Double G on, check it out. I mean, you just talk about a guy who is just... It's impossible not to like Double G. I tend to agree. He's out there doing it. He he plays an exciting brand of disc golf. He keeps it positive, and he's a hell of a cook. So you, anytime you're around him, he's just cooking up food for everybody. 
you know, working on marinating this the night before. I got out there with the smoker. I mean, the guy is just a, he's a, he's a host for sure. A natural born host. When you get around him, he's just feeding everybody and always, you know, making sure everybody's having a great time. I'll tell you what, I, as I said that, I had to think there, I know of a few people that probably don't like double G and that's the guys that I play disc golf with on a regular basis because I've been dropping bombs with that halo wraith boy. <laughs> oh, they may, they, I'm telling you, honestly, it's, it's become like my go-to disc in my bag. It's, Sweet. uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a game changer for me. So, um, you know, not that they dislike double G, but they're probably like, yeah, with that halo wraith, I'm sure. So, uh, um, yeah, but it's uh, Double G Craft Jerky, guys. Just an amazing company, and um, and this was kind of his his brainchild, his love that you know we talked about in the episode. Loves to cook, he's great at it, and uh, he's been able to turn it into a, a little bit of business. And you guys can get an amazing product. So DoubleGCraftJerky.com, check them out, give them a follow on social media, and remember by supporting the sponsors, it's the best way to support uh, Nate, myself, and this podcast, so we can keep bringing it to you free of charge, and you guys can keep enjoying it. With that being said, I've got a ton of messages. I know we talked about it a little bit in the opening. Guys, we're going to get back on schedule. We're going to get back to normal here. It's just been a lot of chaos between uh, Nate traveling and then he was under the weather a little bit and I'm in the midst of a move and we did. It's just there's been a lot going on, but don't worry. Running, it's not going anywhere. We're going to have new episodes for you guys every week. Fun guests, fun topics. We appreciate you hanging with us during this uh, this crazy little stretch here, but uh, we're still having a ton of fun doing the show, and as long as you guys keep enjoying it, we're going to keep putting it out. Works for me. Perfect. We we opened it up, man. It's, it's Ask Nate Anything, and the emails came pouring in. The questions came pouring in, and uh, right now, Nate, I'm clicking on the bright spotlight. I'm pointing it right in your face. This is a podcast interrogation. Questions are going to come your way. You're going to answer them. You ready, man? Bring it on. All right. Perfect. Our friends over at the Amside Podcast. Man, we haven't had this one in a while, so let's throw this out there. Hey, what are those bloody firebirds coming out? I need to pay the bills. (laughs) I don't have any information on a date. I know that Innova wants very badly to be able to have as smooth a release as possible with as many discs as possible. And that means beefing up the website. That means getting everything, all the ducks in a row. So I know they're coming soon-ish. I don't know when. And I hope that uh, that we can rise to that and, and be able to meet the crazy demand from all my great fans. So I appreciate everybody out there that's hanging in there waiting. And I know Innova is working as hard as they can to get that release ready to rip. Oh, dude, that website is getting crashed. The it's tough. Drops. It is so tough. It's like they've been trying. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm no website expert, but you know they're doing they're doing a lot of stuff trying to get that thing ready to go, and it's been tough. The demand for everybody's discs has been huge, which you know we can't thank the fans enough. We're just going to keep trying to stay ahead of it as as best as we can. Maxwell in the email. He says, hey, Jarrett, Nate recently became a big fan of the podcast. I spend a good chunk of the workday in the car, and I quickly blasted through the entire show. I have a question for Nate and Jarrett, too, if he'd like to share. Tell us the story of your first ace. Do any of the other hole-in-ones in your career live up to that feeling of the first? 
Thank you for the taking the time to put this podcast together. I never mind sitting in traffic if there is a new episode of Running It available. Uh, let me start. I don't have any aces. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> uh, my first ace, man, it was 2001. I think it might have been July or August. I threw a first run DX Valkyrie. Uh, which was the brand new sweet one. And it was a forehand and it was 317 feet hole 15 at Willamette Park in Corvallis, Oregon in the left position for those in the know. Uh, yeah, I was playing with my buddy Kevin. I was in high school at the time. Uh, I remember it got out there, got up high and yeah, just smash in there. And, uh, interestingly enough, that exact same hole. Uh, in the other basket position was my first ever birdie, and I remember that too. That was about a 50-footer, just when I couldn't throw far enough to reach any holes, and just threw one up, and it went in. Um, as far as the feeling, I would say, yeah, I think there's other aces that have probably matched that for me in tournaments or really long holes, um, but uh, but certainly it's a little different. I wouldn't say it's like the first ace is a different feeling, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a better feeling than some of the other uh, really cool aces that I've been fortunate enough to hit. But yeah, I remember it well. I still have the disc. It's red. Uh, it's somewhere in my in my boxes. Um, and yeah, I, I think I even might have taken it out and thrown it again one time just to see what it did. I've seen you throw a bunch of aces in, in different tournaments and in big time spots. It, you don't really get that excited about it. It's like the old, uh, you know, act like you've been there. You know, like it's it's no big deal. Is I feel like that's what the pros do. I throw a shot that even comes close to the basket, and I like <laughs> cartwheel down the down the fairway and skip the whole way. Uh, I mean, is it? Are you purposely like, all right, keep yourself controlled, or when it goes in, are you just like, yeah, it's, I'm a pro. That's what I do. No, I I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like purposely keeping myself controlled. I just think that's kind of my personality. I think there's some other players, and this isn't a bad thing at all, that are going to give you more of like, a, let's go, yeah, and get really outwardly pumped up. Uh, I feel like whenever I ace, it's kind of like a surprise. Like I sort of think, yeah, it's a good line, but you always think yeah, I probably won't actually ace, you know, and then it does. And you're kind of just, hey, man, wow. And I, I tend to just kind of laugh and go, oh, man, I can't believe that and get a couple high fives. And, yeah, it feels good to write a one down and to be two under par on a single hole. But, yeah, there's definitely part of me that, uh, you know, wants to make sure that I don't uh, get so excited that I kind of have like a, a I, I would call it a jelly arm on the next hole. Because early in my career when I'd get an ace, I'd get so jazzed up that I couldn't really throw a good shot on the next hole because I was too excited. So maybe some of that's intentional, and then I think some of the the other part is just having you know some somewhere north of a hundred aces uh, to where I'm not um, you know it's an embarrassment of riches I guess I, I'm still very excited but it's not quite uh, like as mind blowing as maybe it once was. Yulebari said when he was our guest that he's got over three hundred. What do you think his real number is? It's probably up there. The dude plays a ton. He plays. <laughs> He plays little uh, dinky courses, too. Like, he goes and, you know, plays league, league nights and stuff, and, and he isn't just out there playing the tournaments only. He's he's a guy who really, wherever he's living, he gets in there, and he's in on the league nights, and he's out in there out in the disc golf community playing a ton. So, uh, it, it wouldn't, I don't think he's lying when he says over 300. He's He's been a, playing a long time, and he's played a lot of holes. I bet he's played 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's played nearly twice as many holes as me in his life, even though his career is shorter. I just think he's played so much golf. Well, that, then I guess that answers it. Uh, here's a here's a fun one. This came in the email from, from Dave Frederick. Speak of the devil, Yuli. According to Yuli, your only real strength is that Big Germ is a strong putter. <laughs> now that he's engaged... Are you concerned your game is going to suffer? And how will you adapt to your approach with all of Germ's new domestic responsibilities? Yuli did me dirty on that, where he, he went with my strength was that Germ was good at putting. I don't know what he was talking about. But, yeah, sure. If that's really my strength, I mean, uh, I am in trouble. But, uh, but no, I, I don't know what – I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm not actually worried about it. I don't know. I think – I think uh, – Maybe I just had too many strengths. He couldn't. He couldn't pick one. I, I think the thing is that the listeners don't realize is that we we knocked Yuli off of Fortnite early in the morning to record that podcast. So I think he might have been a little ornery that he wasn't. Yeah, was true. Fortniteing. True, but uh, I bought him dinner. I mean, come on. Well, there you go. Uh, and Dave also says, on a side note, at DDO round three, hole sixteen, I told you. I liked the podcast, and you said, thanks. That interaction was the highlight of my trip to Kansas. Thank you, and keep up the excellent work. I'm pretty sure I plunked it in the water there, too. So it, was, it was a lo- might have been a low light for me, but I'm glad that you do like the podcast. But I'm pretty sure I went water on that shot. <laughs> Emmett says, uh, hey, Nate, love the podcast. I played in a tournament with your brother last weekend in Corvallis, and he kicked my butt. My question is, could you guys take down a sibling-only doubles world championship? We've kind of talked about this in the past. What do you think? Could we have? Definitely. We definitely could. I'm not saying we necessarily would, but I think we'd be on the short list. We'd have to get our. We'd have to get in uh, game shape. My brother plays a little bit but not a lot um but yeah once that sibling doubles championship comes out and the prize money's right you know we'll be there now i I know there's some there's some siblings in disc golf you know like you and colin even though he's not necessarily out there doing it all the time the yule are out there uh paul brings john out every once in a while Uh, if there was a big sibling uh world championship like this who would be most likely to end up in a wrestling match with their own sibling halfway through through the game, if you had to guess? I I think maybe Paul and John. I think nice. you know they they've got they all his family they they like the combat sports they like to get they like to watch some MMA they like uh you know and John is a rough and tough guy and I I feel like if they uh. You know, it'd be a good-natured wrestling match, but I feel like they're not they're not afraid to take it to the ground if uh, if enough birdie points get missed. Yeah, them Huntington Peach boys, man, you got to watch out. They don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't play around. No. So here's <laughs> this one still makes me laugh. I'll try to get through it here. This is uh, <laughs> this was from Steve Stewart. Came to our email. Imagine there are 100 parallel universes or alternate realities. With 100 different Nate Sextons. Every Nate goes through life making different decisions. Nate Sexton, who made the best decisions, is Nate number one. And deadbeat Nate, who made the worst decisions, is Nate number 100. Numerically, where do you land amidst your hypothetical other selves in terms of success? 
Gosh, I got. I feel like I got to be near the top. It's weird because I, I think there there could have been times like if you asked me that when I was twenty seven, I might have been like, eh, I don't know, because I was kind of you know going all in on disc golf and not not a lot of uh, you know I was having a great time, but there wasn't a lot of money in it. Uh, and obviously, money isn't the only barometer for success. But uh, yeah, I sure I feel like I'm near the top. I don't know. It's it's a you know obviously it's an impossible question to answer. It's interesting to think about, but uh, yeah, I, I got to. Th- I I feel like I'm a top ten player in this game of life. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be Nate number one, right? I mean, you're might, uh, might be. You're a top touring pro. You've got a beautiful wife that's a doctor. A really cute kid. Tons of great fans. Like number one podcast in Malaysia. Um, <laughs> number one now. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. It, we're, we're, we're booming all over the world here. You should see the map. People are downloading running it in Africa. And that's okay. a fact. I can prove it. Don't at me. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think this Nate Sexton's Nate Sexton number one. I feel like Nate number one would like work out more, maybe eat a little less ice cream. Um, you know, a couple things like that. Like Nate number one would have it all going on, but he'd be kind of, jacked more than i am so so nate number three will call you just to yeah, call it something fair. like that something like that right. i feel like everything else yeah a wife kid uh the sport you know my career in the sport that's all pretty that's all that's all top flight for me i mean it's been a it's been more than i could have ever asked for and continues to be that here's an interesting question that um has been brought up a lot of times in the past. Uh, and this came from Ian on Instagram. First of all, he says he really enjoys the podcast. Uh, it really helps getting through long putting practice sessions. He says he's been playing about four months now and, uh, he's playing out in Vegas and he's always looking in trees and bushes and water for discs. And he says he's returned over 40 so far. And he's managed to build his bag with, you know, some of the nameless and numberless discs. He's just wondering what your thoughts are on discs lost in water. Should they always be returned or is it up to the individual? And maybe you could make a new disc off law stating that there's a $5 reward on water discs. What are your feelings on somebody that goes in and, and hunts those discs out of the water? I mean, I feel like they're putting some work in. I feel like they deserve a, a little something back for it. Where do you stand on that, Nate? Yeah, it's a little tricky. I mean, I, you know, we've had our we've had our run-ins with maritime law in this game, and uh, I think you know this is kind of an extension of that. I I think it's tough. It's like I think if it has a name and number, it should always be returned, or at least an effort should be made to return it. Uh, I also think it's tough to have like a set price that this is what it's worth to get a disc back because you know it's no nobody asked you to go get it uh so it's like you know some people might kind of want it back some might not you know but i i do agree that if someone fishes your disc out of the deep water you should certainly uh be thinking about something nice you could do for this guy who spent their time to get you your property back but i guess i don't agree on like a a hard and fast five dollars you know because yeah, nobody asked you. It's like, I, I think it's kind of like going in the middle of the night and like washing somebody's car and then like knocking on their door and being like, hey man, it's 20 bucks because your car, it's spotless. See? Do you think that would work? No. 
No. Okay. All right. Just I just ask. <laughs> but, but I think it's a similar thing, you know, where it's like, hey, man, what do you mean you wash my car? I mean, it looks great, I guess. And you're kind of confused. And you're like, well, thanks. But like money? What? What? Why didn't you ask beforehand? You know, not like not like you can do that in disc golf. It's not like, you know, the guy has his disc in the water. So I guess I'm I'm not in favor of a hard and fast amount. I am in favor of being nice to somebody who does something nice for you. Listen, if you guys are out there and you find a disc on the inside that says Jared from Buffalo and you, you fished it out, I am willing to pay to get my disc back. And my thought on it is, Nate, if you and I were out playing a casual round and I threw my favorite destroyer in the middle of the drink and you looked at me and said, dude, for five bucks, I'll jump in there and get it right now. I'd hand you five bucks so quick and have you sure. jump in and, and get that disc. So that's kind of my, my feeling on it. But I, I guess you're right. It's... uh it, it, nobody really asked for those guys to do it, so it's one of those those interesting interesting topics. But yeah, I feel uh, like I, you're I think, being a nice guy by fishing them out. You can't really expect you can't expect compensation or, or count on it. But it, it would be nice if people did it. But I don't think you can be like angry at them for not uh, when it was totally your idea and your use of your time to go in the water. Yeah, fair fair enough. Now, Nate, keeping up the tradition of our show here. We did get a few audio questions from some of our dedicated fans, and um, we've got an audio question from Paul that I'm really looking forward to hearing you answer, so let's hear from Paul. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. My name is Paul. So, Nate, uh, you are an accomplished disc golfer, and uh, your Sexton Firebird is one of the most sought-after, if not the most sought-after discs out there. You're also considered to be the best commentator that the sport has ever seen. If you were to never win another major, would going down possibly as the GOAT commentator mitigate the feeling that you could have accomplished more on the course? Is that important to you? Uh, I, I, don't, I guess I don't connect them quite that directly. I'm pretty, um, I guess... I'm pretty like happy go lucky about it. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm so thankful that I have been able to put in the time and have the talent or whatever the, the, the mental makeup to be call myself a major champion and to have won, you know, multiple tournaments at the elite level. Uh, but I never, I never expected it exactly, you know, so I, I'm very secure in my legacy, I guess, in that I don't, I want to win and winning is fun. And I don't really want to go to tournaments without at least hope, having the hope of playing very well and being in the hunt. But I, I don't feel any pressure that's like, if you don't win more, you know, you're a failure. I, I don't have any of that on my shoulders. So I feel, uh, I'm all, I'm just really happy that people like to hear my take on things from the commentary side. Uh, and I'm really happy to have been able to achieve what I've achieved so far. And I look forward to, adding to that resume uh, in the coming years. Well, I'll tell you right now from my own, and I know that you're, you know, obviously you can't comment on this and I don't expect you to, but in my opinion, right now, as we sit and have this conversation, you're a hall of famer. And, <laughs> I, and, I, and I'll tell you why I think that because my dad and I have this conversation a lot about what, what makes a hall of famer in any sport. You know, what's the, what's the criteria? And my dad always says that the criteria is, can you tell the story of that time period without mentioning that player? 
And the answer is no. You are a USDGC champion, and you have really changed the way that people like myself and other fans view and watch the sport because of how amazing your commentary is. Not just that you, you're funny and you and Jerm have great chemistry and it's fun, but you, you add a lot of information to it. And you, you know, you and obviously Jomez is a huge part of that by, by putting you out there and doing it. But, uh, I, I don't think you can, you can talk about disc golf over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years without mentioning Nate Sexton. And I think that's what makes you a Hall of Famer. I, man, I hope you're right. I appreciate it. I, I think, uh, that would be a, a really cool, uh, you know, capstone on a, on a career if someday I could be, uh, fortunate enough to join the list of names. Yeah. I, I think that it would be, uh, it would be great. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I jumped, I jumped ahead here because our, uh, our buddies over at the AM side, they weren't just asking about the Firebirds. Um, there was a second part to their question, and it was, uh, in all seriousness, my question would be, I just had a beautiful baby boy. What would he recommend while he's growing up to get him interested in the sport? Well, he being me, like, what would I recommend? Yeah, what would you, how, how would you recommend him, uh, I think, I think it's Dale that, that had the, that had the baby. Um, and you know, what would you, what would you recommend for them to, to, you know, have their son, uh, be interested in the sport while, while learning? Sure. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just having fun with it, pushing them in the stroller while you play. Definitely go with the Strider bike. Don't do those training wheels. Get the Strider bike because my daughter loves ripping the Strider bike around the course. And, uh, we've had a great time doing that where she gets to ride her bike, throw a couple shots when she wants to. Uh, jump in the stroller if she needs to sometimes, and I'll just carry the bike on the side of it. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, because I wouldn't say, you know, my daughter's just about to be four, and uh, she—I don't know—I would—I don't know if she's interested in disc golf exactly. You know, I'm certainly not uh, pressuring her at all. It's just fun, you know. So she comes with me, and we and she likes to throw around a little bit. But I think it remains to be seen if she's like bitten by the bug of uh, of playing disc golf. So I'd say just including including them in your passion and and uh, keeping it keeping it light, keeping it fun. That's what that's what uh, has been uh, enjoyable for me. Well, you know what? Hopefully, she does follow in your footsteps and become a disc golfer. Because I mean, what's she gonna do? Follow in mom's footsteps and become I a know. doctor? She always says that already. She says she wants to be. She's gonna be a doctor so she can go to work with mama. Oh man, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> um, Ethan from Instagram asks. In a Jomez video a while back, I noticed Nate wearing a Rouse fly fishing shirt. My question is. Does Nate do much fly fishing? Is it a recent hobby? Does he chase any steelhead in his home state? Same question for Jarrett, too. Um, so let me just tell you right now, I, I don't do any fishing. I grew up in an inner city. I don't even think I could fish. Um, I've gone fishing like two or three times in my life. I've never caught a thing. There's worms and hooks and sunburns, and I'm just out on fishing. But what about you, Nate? I, I too would not describe myself as a fisher person. I, I, uh, I met Jamie Rouse, uh, when he reached out to me. He lives in Arkansas 
and he reached out to me about stopping through his area to play some disc golf. He had a, a fishing cabin because he does, he's like a professional fly fishing guide and he, he's a great guy. His family's amazing. We had an awesome time just them hosting us and hanging out with them and meeting them. So I went out on the boat with him a couple times and he was, you know, doing all the hard work for me, trying to just telling me what to do, fishing around and we caught six or seven fish. So, uh, I guess I'm, I had a great time. I don't own any fishing gear myself. Uh, but yeah, I hope to go back and do it with him again because it was really fun, you know, being around him who's like, uh, you know, a really accomplished in that field where he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, use this rod. And I'm like fishing along. And I think he was like, that's a $1,500 rod. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's lost on me. I didn't know, but, uh, I had a good time for sure. And just zooming around, just getting soaked, uh, because it got uh really rainy while we were out there. Uh, one of the times and yeah, but, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I am a fisherman. When I was a kid, I had this really cool Mickey Mouse one that you just pushed a button and it kind of popped it out for you. You didn't even have to cast it. It was like a little, that's the, that's the highlight of my, my fishing career. I will uh, say I got a buddy uh, here in town that I played golf with named Chris May, who is a, a fisherman and he definitely goes and gets the salmon when the season's coming and it's not that long until they'll be going later this fall and uh now that i have the smoker that i got for my birthday from Bree and Coraline, now i i've been pestering him like hey man i need to go with you because i need to catch a big old salmon to sm make smoked salmon so i do i am i guess i am in the process of planning a little fishing outing uh so maybe maybe things are going to change for me i don't know I see what you're doing here. I'm a big fan of the movie Napoleon Dynamite, and he totally woos the girl over by catching her a delicious bass at the yes. end of the movie. So I yeah. think that's you know you're gonna come home with Bree. You're gonna you're gonna show her that you caught that fish, and yeah. uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Charlie sends into the email. Uh, Charlie says he's 15. Uh, he's from Holiday, Utah, and he just started playing a month ago, and he's gonna enter his first C tier. Uh, this weekend. So I guess it was probably the Saturday that just passed us here. So he's wondering two things. Is it possible to enter tournaments and stuff too soon? And if you could tell yourself anything when you first started, what would it be? I think if you're having fun, it's, then it doesn't matter how soon you enter them. If you're having a good time and you're not having these lofty expectations and disappointing yourself and getting frustrated, go ahead, play whenever you want. I would say in general, it's probably better to play like the little local league nights a little bit more before you start plopping down 50 and $60 to play for a weekend if you're really new into the game and you haven't really uh, done the competitive thing much. But I think if you're having a good time, go for it and uh, and it will make you a better player. And, if, uh, and I think it's the most fun thing about disc golf is getting together and playing in a real tournament where you know everybody cares and you're all pushing each other and trying to, you know, beat the course the best you can. As far as something to tell myself when I was first starting, um, probably I would have told myself to focus more on the... It's hard because at the beginning, all your throws are kind of like weaknesses, but I would have told myself to practice your weaknesses more. Like I wish I would have put more time into the backhand earlier. Even though I was pretty good throwing mostly forehands, I think I would be... It would, it would show in my game today that I'd be an even more well-rounded player than I am. Um, had I put more time into learning all the shots I could and being comfortable uh, going back and forth between a lot of shot types. 
Okay. I think that's, uh, that's some, some great advice there. Um, uh, this question did not come in, but it, it's a question that I have seen come up in the past. And since I know a lot of people are going to be heading over to the Jomez uh, YouTube page and watching a lot of coverage from the Masters Cup, just briefly for our listeners who are just getting into the sport, explain to them the, the two-meter rule, and uh, and that's only in California, correct? Well, it used to be uh, all over the place. And then it became a thing where the tournament director got the option to either use it or not use it. And California is the last stronghold where they almost always do take the option to use it. But in the early part of my career, it was in every tournament. Uh, and you would, the two meter rule just means that it's taller than Dan Stork Roddick's head, which is two meters, six foot six. We had him on the show. He's PDGA number three. And that's actually why it's two meters is because of that. He was the measuring stick at the beginning, uh, as crazy as that sounds. But if your disc is stuck higher in a tree than two meters, then it's a penalty. And you drop the mini down directly below where it is and you play as if it, you play it out of bounds, basically. So you play directly below where it was hung up in the tree. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tricky rule. You know, a place like Masters Cup, it makes more sense there than a lot of places because it's a lot more likely there. Uh, with those live oaks, they really do catch the disc pretty well. It's still kind of a lucky random thing, but, uh, you know, you could make the argument that the player who throws up above those trees the most times has the highest chance of getting caught and probably will take the most penalties. But certainly there is a luck factor there where some come down that you would never have thought would come down and other ones get stuck that you thought had no chance of getting stuck. So it's just a penalty to keep you, uh, to, to disincentivize, you know, crashing into trees on purpose and, and falling down to the basket that way. Yeah. That would hurt my game because I, I take that, I take that play a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, I, I absolutely, uh, I, I absolutely use it. There's times where I'm like, man, if I just rifle it into that tree, it'll, it'll sure. plinkle its way down and I should, sure. I should have a pretty good, a pretty good lie there. Um, so, all right. I think that's, uh, I think that's a good explanation of it. Cause I know, uh, it's mentioned a lot during the coverage, but not necessarily explained. So for yeah. any of our listeners that are out there. So Nate, let me ask you this. When you were first getting going and playing, or even now, if you and a, a bunch of buddies go out and, and play casually and you're at a course, uh, how do you, how do you play the rules? So I'll tell you how we do it. The courses that we play don't necessarily show any out of bounds on the T signs. Um, they're not really necessarily marked on the course. So we always do it as if you're in the road, you're out of bounds. So if you're, if you, if you've gone into concrete, you're out of bounds. Other than that, if you can get to your disc and play it, you can get to your disc and play it. How, how do you guys do it? Well, there's very few courses that I play at that I haven't also played tournaments at. So I kind of know the rules, like where the out of bounds areas are, where the drop zones are. I'm usually pretty clear on that. So I would say we're pretty by the book. Whenever I'm, whoever I'm playing with, we're playing the, all the official out of bounds for whatever the course designer intended. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Cause I've, I mean, I've played with some guys that have like thrown and like their disc is just like in the water down the bank and they're like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's casual. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so, bud. But if you want to get your shoes and socks off and go chuck it from out of there, I'm, I'm willing to watch that go down just so I can watch you go down and then back up this little ravine here. So, sure. um, I usually, I usually let it, I usually let it fly. Nice. Um, 
you know what? Let's, uh, let's hop on to another audio question from Lee. Hey, Jared and Nate, this is Spencer Lee, originally from Denver, Colorado, but I just moved to Portland, Oregon. Nate, I wanted to ask you about Pier Park. I've been playing there and really having to adjust my game to the super wooded technical courses like Pier Park that are in Portland. And I oftentimes wonder how pros would fare on a course that I can't seem to shoot par at. I came across the 2012 Rose City Open, which was at Pier Park, where you played on a card with Nicola Castro. And I was wondering if you have any memories of Pier Park, but also... What line do I throw to get a birdie on the Dreamcatcher hole? Thanks, guys. <laughs> birdie in the Dreamcatcher is no joke. You kind of have to, uh, you, got, you got to throw, probably got to throw the backhand with a little bit of flip, and you need a little bit of luck because you can't stay inside that tunnel all the way down, especially for the long position. So for those Portlanders, it's a, it's a big crush. You're going to have to first develop that 450-foot throw and then put it on the line, get a little flip to the right, and come back. I've seen it done. Uh, but it isn't easy to do. Uh, as far as Pier Park and memories, I definitely won the Rose City Open. Uh, I don't know specifically what year, but I do remember, uh, feeling so good because it was a tournament for the whole tournament. I remember I made every putt inside the circle, which is a pretty rare thing. I know Paige Pierce just did it to win the U.S. Women's uh, Championship, so pretty incredible. But I remember that I had made 100% of my circle one putts inside 10 meters, and I also had made seven circle two putts. Back then, we didn't say circle two. We just said outside the circle. There was no such thing as circle two. But I remember it being one of the best putting round weekends of my life, especially because it was before those baskets got replaced, and they were pretty spitty back then. They weren't that, weren't that nice of baskets. So you really had to control your speed. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful park. Um, I think if you're wondering how pros would fare, really, really good <laughs> in general. Uh, they would shoot uh, double digits under at that course. I think most of the most of the top players, because the the thing about pier is though it is wooded, the fairways are generous and the rough is non-existent. So if you if you hit your lines and get down there a little ways, even if you do hit a late tree, you're unlikely to be like blocked into a really bad spot. You can kind of escape from almost anywhere, and most of the guys on tour are gonna hit, you know, 16 out of 18 lines uh, on that course. So I think it's a great practice course. I think it's a, a nice kind of hybrid. It's it's wooded, but it's not oppressively wooded because there is all that room uh, in between. So I'm glad you're enjoying it there. And I always think it's a fun place to go play as long as it's not like a sunny summer day because you're going to be waiting all day because it's so popular. I hate Pier Park. I lost my Waisaki Explorer. At Pier Park. How do you even lose a disc there? There's not even, it's just all grass. I got in the, I started banging off of trees and I don't know where it went. It was, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That was real early into my, uh, that was very early into my disc golf career. And, uh, I went out there and that was, that was a big, that was a big course for me at that time. And, uh, I was not prepared for it and I have no idea what happened. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it, it is, it is fun to play, but there is definitely some backups. I've done a lot of stay. I've probably done as much standing around there as I've done playing to, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's also the, it's also the venue that, uh, is, is the site of my most recent missed cash. But, but but when I started the the great streak that I'm on now that I'm very proud of, 
so January C tier, January 2008, 10th place. Missed the cash by one shot. I just looked it up the other day because someone was asking me how when the streak started. And that's when it was. And it was Pure Park. So it's it's not like I always do well there. But it was 2008. I was a bit of a different player back then. 2008, the last time he's in it cash. Wow. <laughs> that is just uh, that is just pretty impressive. In fact, I will tell you, uh, my uh, my best my best disc golf partner, um, actually my son's godfather, uh, who I go out and play with a lot, just lost his uh, his favorite. D- actually, he didn't lose it; he broke his favorite uh, D three, and he can't find it in the weight that he likes to throw. Uh, so I reached out to, to Kale and said, you know, hey, do you have, you got a line on any D3s at 167? And also don't tell Nate that I'm asking about Prodigy discs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, are, are you kidding me? This is, this is going on the new podcast, Throwing Prodigy with Jared Orr. And I went, <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a killer name. I'll tell you right now. That's, uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I thought it was, uh, I thought it was funny, but it's you and, uh, you and Kale, right? Are, are in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got the, he's got me by quite a few tournaments. Uh, but I think I have him in terms of actually like months and years. I think the number of tournaments though is the more, uh, impressive statistic. So he's, he's got my, he's got me beat right now, but you never know. I'm going to keep trying to string them together. See how long we can keep it going. Yeah. No, a- absolutely. I, uh, I have a I have a lot of fun watching him play, and I mean, you know, the guy is cooler than a polar bear's toenails. So uh, we already know that. We uh, definitely root but, for each other. Like I, one of the first texts I got at the conclusion of Masters Cup was like, "Put another one on." And it's from him, you know, like hell yeah, because he everyone knew that that was one of the hardest caches of the year with the with the constricted field size down to just seventy six players, so only thirty players cash and you know there's like 30 great players in the field so uh it was no joke to cash down there in santa cruz and kale was kale was watching and he's one of the first guy to congratulate me every time it's one of the things that i check for every single time when i can't watch live coverage i'm on udisc live constantly checking the checking the leaderboard and i'm like all right nate's He's doing, he's doing okay. He's gonna, it looks like he's gonna cash again here. We don't have, we don't have anything to worry about. The streak oh, yeah. will, will continue. There's been plenty um, of close calls, but yeah, I, I like a close call every once in a while. Makes me feel alive. Yeah, you're right. That's right. And, uh, I'll tell you, I, I think that a, a lot of new players, especially because obviously with you taking time off through COVID and we know how many people started uh, picking up disc golf and, and enjoying the sport because of it. And, um, one of the guys that I play with is like, says to me, uh, actually just a few weeks ago, he goes, Hey, that, uh, that commentator you do the podcast with, man, that guy's pretty good at playing too. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think he got the commentating gig? Um, it's because he's, he's pretty good. He goes, yeah, man, I was, I was watching him on YouTube and man, that, he's, he, he's pretty good. So I, I think that now that you're back out there playing, uh, regularly and, and hitting these tournaments, people are, uh, people are remembering who, who Nate Sexton is. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to see you back out there doing it. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned it in one of our earlier, uh, questions, but, uh, quick let's take a quick second to give a little uh little congratulations to big german jewels they're uh they're gonna yeah. take the plunge man 
Yeah, yeah. Jerem, we've been talking, you know, obviously as friends do for a long time, kind of through the process of him getting the ring. And I actually uh, introduced him to the jewelry store owner, uh, a guy named Ryan out of Minnesota, who helped me with my wife's uh, wedding ring as well. He's got the lock jewelers, they're called. And uh, they hooked up Big Jerem as well and took him through that process. He was making all the plans for going to Hawaii. They did this helicopter ride to where it lands at this, like, otherwise inaccessible waterfall. Uh, And he popped the question there. So it was fun kind of, uh, you know, seeing him get excited and talking to him, talking him through some of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, he did it. And she said, yes, obviously. We all knew she would. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for him. Now uh, now they're starting to look at wedding dates. Uh, He was trying to say he was going to have food trucks there. I said, I'm not coming. You got to buy me food. Come on, man. Don't cheap out now. Uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, the big kahuna. Wouldn't expect anything else. Uh, just, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect anything else. So, yeah, it, that's, you know, the big differences uh, between men and women, you know, was when, uh, you know, Anna says to me, oh, did you see German Jules got engaged? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm super excited for him. I, you know, he's going to have to stay focused on disc golf and now that he's got the wife and she's like, uh, yeah, who cares? Did you see the ring? And I'm like, don't, I don't got big germ kind of money. So let's just put that out there right now. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great to see that and, uh, and couldn't be happening to a, uh, to, to a better guy. And, uh, yeah. I'm super, super excited for him, uh, as well. Uh, we got a question here from, uh, Franklin that came in to the email outside of your buddies that you do your commentating with. Is there anybody on tour that you find yourself stopping to watch while you're out on the course? Like, is there anybody that you seek out and you're like, I want to watch him play a couple holes here? Is there a particular player or do you just look for whoever's got the hot ground? Oh, I'm both. I mean, there's so many guys. I don't know. I, I, I love watching everybody throw. If I'm not actively throwing, I'm watching somebody throw. Like if I'm in a backup, I'm going to go over there and see, you know, What's Eagle McMahon doing on this hole? Are you going to go over the, all those trees or Macbeth or whatever? I mean, I think we're all doing that. Just kind of peeking around, seeing who's making big putts. It's like, what else are you going to do? You know, I'm not going to, I, I turn my phone off. I don't bring my, I, my phone is technically in my bag, but it's powered down while I play. So I'm not tempted to crack that open and, and look at any social media or anything. So I'm just out there and on the course, just watching everybody golf and definitely any of the any of the top guys, any of my friends, um, yeah, anybody. Well, so that's why you don't respond to my texts during the tournament because sometimes I just like to shoot you. Hey, Nate, what you doing? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And uh, as we know, you uh, you saved the big Kahuna. You, you moved him right out of harm's way at the Masters was, Cup. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. We were standing there. He he was uh, actually getting his phone. I got him to download this app called Seek. That uh, it identifies plants and animals. Like if you just hold it, the camera looks at it and it says, oh, that's a ponderosa pine or whatever. So it's kind of fun. And he's downloading that and just looking at different plants, trying to figure figure out which tree is which. And then I said, hey, man, we got to move. You're right in the death zone because we're waiting in a backup. And not 10 seconds after I told him to move, the di- a disc just came in and slapped right where he was standing. So that was kind of a, a weird premonition moment where I said, hey, we should move, I think. And then right, right away, one flew in right through the trees to where we were. 
So you give Big Germ a, a lot of grief about learning a backhand because it's it's his job. Um, <laughs> when are you going to learn the thumber? Well, probably never. Uh, he, I, I need to learn. I need. I got plenty to learn about my backhand too. I give him. I give him a lot of grief, but yeah, it's a tough shot. I mean, to be able to be comfortable with both throws, like in the moment, with out of bounds and tunnels and all the danger that comes with professional level disc golf courses. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll give Big Germ grief about anything I can. That's one of my number one hobbies. And you know what? You do it great. I, my favorite <laughs> part, my favorite part of the practice round was as he was lining up the thumber after you guys were just giving him a hard time and you looked over and went, Oh no, we don't know him. He, we're just letting him play through. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a, I, I've, I've got a friend that I play with who, you know, he's not a pro. And he always decides to throw a, a thumber at like the most ridiculous. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? This is a simple backhand. He's like, no, nope, it's a tomahawk. Trust me. And then, and then we all spend 30 minutes looking for his desk. So well, big germs thumber is freaking fantastic. And it we, really is. neither, neither Yuli or I can even do anything close. I mean, big germ can like, he's just a big bold dude. He can rip, he can rip a football like 50 yards. Like he can. He has that big guy arm strength. He gets that thumber and just cranks it. I bet he could throw it 400 feet. So it's like we can't even touch it. So we got to find some way to make it lame, even though it's actually sick. Uh, so the way we make it lame is just by pretending that thumber is an embarrassing shot to throw. But neither Yuli or I actually thinks that. We just uh, like to try to make him second guess it because we're jealous of how awesome it is. You got to have fun with the big guy, too. Yeah, for sure. I see uh, Yuli. Yuli's on the cart. Germs on the cart. Are you are you staying with the are you staying with the the bag over the shoulder? Or are we going to see Nate with a with a cart sometime in the, I, I in the future? I don't. I mean, maybe someday. Right now, I don't have any plans to do a cart. I feel like it's just like another thing to put in the car. And I've I've spent so much of my life waiting around for Big Germ to get his cart set up to get to the first <laughs> tee. You know, like so many hours lost to forever. Just standing around, like with my bag on, waiting for him to like snap everything together and get his water or whatever. So I, I don't, I don't see it. You know, it, it's not, it's not calling my name yet. Maybe it will someday. But right now, I'm pretty happy just rocking my pound bag. And it seems like it's working for you. But I, I watch these guys with their carts and they're they're pushing these things and they're dragging these things and they're pulling them and it looks like a pain to me. Um, but like you said, Big Germ's a big guy, so he's got to be. It's got to be easy on them big bones. And, for, uh, sure. The, for sure. The cart might be, the cart might be a little bit easier on him. Uh, and you know what? If, if Big Jerry wants to walk away from disc golf, I'm telling you, there's, there's a, there's a spot for him in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see Big Germ at WrestleMania. Yeah, he could do it. He, he's a, he's a showman. But if he walks away from disc golf, I, I think it, it won't, it won't be because he, it'll be because his body won't let him do it. So I think wrestling will be out. There's no way, there's no way he's leaving unless uh, his body forced him out for some reason. Fair enough. But if there was going to be a disc golf WrestleMania match, it would be Big Germ versus who? Le Castro, no question. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I got a little nervous on that one clip where Nico got a little aggravated and he walked over and he grabbed the chains and shook them and Big Germ said, hey, that's enough of that. And I yep. went, oh, oh my God. I, uh, whatever he says on the course is what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what though, Nico, uh, he gets, he gets a bad rap, I think, from a lot of the fans. Um, but, uh, you know, he does, he does put some energy into it. I'll tell you, 
we talked a little bit about like who's who, you know, who's the Michael Jordan, it's Macbeth, and, you know, maybe Nate's like Barkley. Dude, is Nico not like the Dennis Rodman of, of disc golf? Like, he's just an amazing player, you know, does great, but, you know, just brings that little, that little extra crazy out there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's a passionate guy. That's, that's the only way to say it. I mean, he's, he just, uh, yeah, man, I think that's a fine comparison. I don't think he'd be bothered by that. He's definitely a, a guy who, you know, keeps it stylish, keeps it wild, try, put, lays it all out there every time. He, he's, uh, he's given everything to disc golf. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm telling you right now, his, his long putting, that is, that, that's a, that's a thing. That's it. He's, he's doing that on purpose and I don't, I don't blame him. Um, in, in my, in my belief, uh, you know, just let's slow, let's slow this thing down a little bit here and I'm going to take four minutes before I throw this putt and just <laughs> get everybody going. Um, I got a question here. Uh, Chuck sends into the email on nights that you're not doing Jomez commentary. I don't think that that exists much anymore when you're not on tour. Uh, how do you unwind after your rounds? Are you back to the hotel room with Netflix? Are you listening to music? Are you hanging out with friends? Uh, I think for the most part, you're, you're doing Jomez until, you know, late night, but, uh, when that's not going on, what's a, what's a normal thing for Nate Sexton to do after you're done playing around? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing Jomez every night, but we're also hanging out. I mean, these days, uh, Jomez, part of our, part of our deal with Jomez is that they're, they're providing, uh, like lodging and stuff. So you, Lee, and Germ and I are always together in a block of hotel rooms or an Airbnb. So we're, we're watching basketball. We're playing cards. We're playing board games. We're just, sometimes Yuli's busting out the PS5, playing some video games. Um, and then we're doing commentary. Commentary usually starts around 9 o'clock p.m. So we get done with the round, you know, 5, go get dinner. Uh, usually take out these days with COVID and then just straight back to the house, eat, hang out for a couple hours, just kind of take a shower, get uh, ready to go to do commentary. And then when we get back from that, if we're feeling up to it, maybe we rip one more card game and then it's, then it's bedtime and, and rinse and repeat. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I've, I never know exactly what your routine is. I try to lay off you during tournament time. I'm just cause like, I just picture you like sitting in a dark room, just staring at the pictures of the guys in front of you as you're doing sit ups, <laughs> just getting ready for it. And I just, you know, I, I don't want to, I know you messaged me this week and you're like, Hey man, uh, what, you know, when are we going to record? What are we doing? And I'm like, I, I just didn't want to talk to you while you were playing. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's all right. So it's good to know that you guys are, are having some fun. What's the, uh, what's the card game of choice in the, uh, Joe Mez, uh, Airbnb? Yeah, well, we, we were playing some, we were playing cribbage. Lately, we've been playing this game, Oh Hell, that's like a trick taking game. Uh, I, I probably, it seems like the type of game that has a ton of names, but it's where you're like, you know, have the Trump suit and you're trying to guess how many tricks you're going to take as it goes around the table. So we've been playing that a bit. Uh, yeah, and then board games, like whatever. We just play different ones. So like cheesy polyester, something you can fit your little hands through, Trump suit. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, guys. I, this, we're not talking politics here. I just took a chance there. I don't care who you like. I was just kidding. Uh, so, uh, Nate, you've, uh, you just finished up the Masters Cup. You cashed again. What's, uh, what's coming up next for you? You said you're, you're getting ready to head out to, uh, 
to Milo for the for the Portland Open, right? Actually, it's not at Milo. The Portland Open is at a brand new ball golf course conversion called Glendovier or something like that. Nobody's ever played it before. It doesn't open really? tomorrow. Where's yeah, that at? In Portland. It opens tomorrow. They were it's the Portland Open is supposed to be at Blue Lake, a different course. The Beaver State Fling is at Milo. The Portland That's Open right. is at Blue Lake. Blue Lake was not working out for some reason. I don't know. So now it's at a private, or, you know, it's at a private property thing, or a, I don't know if it's a public golf course or what, but it's at a golf course. So uh, and it's going to be over eleven thousand feet. So it's all bombers. I saw a caddy book three holes over a thousand feet, some nine hundred footers. So uh, it's going to be big time throws. Uh, yeah, first look tomorrow. Joe May's practice round. Driving there with Coraline in the morning. I love Blue Lake. It's another really tough course. I've lost quite a few discs there. Um, in fact, the one time I saw the disc, but it was like, I don't know, 15 yards in, and it would have been all thorns and vines. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Somebody else is going to want that more than I do. And, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from that one. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Milo, I forgot Milo got, got is it even open right now? Yes, can, it is. It is back. You can go play. Yes. All right. All right. Well, uh, after, uh, after Portland, what's up for your, what's up? Where's the next stops for your tour? Also Portland, Re- resistance discs open, uh, in Trojan Park up in, uh, northwest of Portland. So that's a Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series that's getting the full Jomez treatment. Uh, so yeah, we'll be there. All right. Looking, looking forward to it. Uh, guys, you've heard us talk about the, the Jomez, the practice rounds. If you haven't for some reason had a chance to check those out, check them out. It's really turned into this, uh, crazy phenomenon where you get to watch three of the best players in the world all try to lose. Um, it's, <laughs> Yuli, Yuli took like a nine on a hole purposely because he, he wanted that, he wanted that good juju of, uh, you know, if you come in last place during the practice round, you usually finish in the top out of the three of you guys at the, at, at the tournament, right? Yeah, I don't buy it. I'm trying, I'm, I'm bringing it in the practice rounds. I might joke about trying to lose, but nah, I'm trying to win. Listen, we just had this conversation again today on the course. I'm looking at one, and uh, Anthony looks over at me, and he goes, "You're going to lay this up, right?" And I went, "What?" And he goes, "You're you're going to lay up, right?" And I went, "Dude, I've been play. I've never laid up a shot in my entire disc golf career. Every single time I throw it, I'm trying to put it in the chains." <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, it shows on your score quite a bit." <laughs> and uh and he, and he walked away laughing but uh but i'm not i'm not laying it up man i'm i'm going for it so i, I like i like that practicing or not you got to you got to try to get it in there man yeah sure yeah and that, but sometimes that does mean laying up i'm going to be honest with you oh well actually i'm happy you brought that up because uh, during the practice round you said i'm going to lay this one up and they went why you're not going to run it and you went eh, all right fine i, I i'm going to run it and how, and how'd that end up going for you? <laughs> Got it. Slammed it in. That's right. Because that's what we do here. We run it, whether it's on the podcast or it's on the course, you run it. And that's what happened. And I thought to myself, I can't believe he's not going to run this. And then you did run it and you slammed it in. So yeah. it just goes to show you that running it is the, the right way to go. You know, I forgot to ask you, and maybe I just missed it, but shouldn't we be keeping an eye out? Isn't there a new champs versus chumps coming our way at some point? 
Oh yeah, it's on its way. I don't know. I don't know. They they're editing, and I think they're doing the FPO coverage this year. So they they got plenty of on their editing plate. I have no idea on a release time, but yeah, it's it's in the can. It's gonna be it's gonna be coming out. Ian, if you're listening, man, we need this. <laughs> we need this. Um, so I'm 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 looking forward to that. Well, mate, I think we got some awesome questions in. Uh, I know that you uh, just got home and now you're heading back out. So don't want to take up too much more of your time here. But I think we got to let the fans get in some really fun questions and topics and debates, whether it's uh, some advice for 15-year-olds that are just starting out or where you fall in the alternative realities of 100 different mates. Uh, I really had a lot of fun <laughs> with this one. And uh, and I certainly, I certainly enjoyed it and uh, i wish you the best of luck i know uh you know portland it's uh it's a little bit of a drive for you now it used to be a lot closer um but it's uh it's a little bit of a drive so are you you're doing the jomez airbnb with uh with Coraline? yeah it's actually the exact same drive that it always was corvallis or olympia it's, a, it's right around halfway so i'm just going south now where i used to go north but yeah airbnb with the whole crew but Cor- Coraline, she's in there. She asked me what she can do. I said she can turn on the lights for the commentary. So we, because we're all lit up studio lighting. I told her she could get the lights turned on for us. That's big. My my three year old loves turning lights on more than I think I love just about anything. It's his uh, it's his favorite thing. So I'm sure she's really going to enjoy getting those uh, getting those lights clicked on. Now, I think, uh, I think before we go, Nate, it's, uh, I think it's been an episode or two. We gotta give, we gotta give these guys a disc breakdown, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm gonna, I wanna break down a disc that I've been using quite a bit at Dela, and I expect I'll be using it a bit at, uh, Portland Open if it's gonna be big ball golf course rollers, and it's the Star Sidewinder. It's why my go-to understable driver, speed nine, nice and understable. So I use it a lot for big high turnover shots. I use it for forehand rollers where I can throw the disc pretty flat and have it burn left and then catch a roll from there. And also for maximum distance backhand rollers. So it's a really great disc for air shots when you're having a lower power player or if you're a higher power player and you're in a standstill situation. I throw it a lot in those places to kind of get it to stand up and go. Uh, but yeah, fantastic disc. Really good for touch, really good for shaping a little turnover and fade back, and great for learning a roller. There it is. And uh, check those out. Nate's throwing them. You can throw what the pros throw. Um, and, you know, Nate's uh, Nate's throwing Innova because it's the choice of champions. And that's what you are, Nate. You're a champion. And, <laughs> uh, and you can you can check out some of those Innova discs uh, over with our friends at FisherDiscGolf.com. And, of course, Innova team uh, teammate of yours, uh, Double G, Garrett Gerthy, Double G Craft Jerky. We thank both of them for their uh, amazing support of the show here. Uh, Nate had a lot of fun with this one. I know you're looking forward to getting back to some guests, but anytime we get an opportunity to kind of hear a little bit from you and what you've got going on, it is uh, certainly exciting for us. So uh, look forward to seeing you back out there and more Jomez practice rounds and more awesome commentating. And with all of this awesome stuff that you've got going on, there's no way you're laying it up. No, I, I certainly not. If I have any opportunity to run it, that's what I'm going to do. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you follow us on social media. And if you guys have any questions, you can go ahead and email us at runningitpodcast at gmail.com. I am Jared Orr. He is Nate Sexton. And we are out of time. We'll see you guys next week on Running It with Nate Sexton.